and welcome to episode 69 of the Days on Digest podcast. I'm April Dyer, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Days on. Today is August 18th, 2023, and we are going to discuss stewardship program optimization in today's episode entitled Creating Impactful, Feasible, Actionable, and Measurable Stewardship Interventions. Today, I will review an invited article that was accepted in Open Forum Infectious Diseases, which was written by Emily Heil and colleagues, entitled Improving the Efficiency of Antimicrobial Stewardship Action in Acute Care Facilities. This review article targets something I think is a challenge to all stewardship programs, which is how you prioritize your stewardship interventions to maximize impact and efficiency. Inpatient antimicrobial stewardship programs perform many roles, including provider education and patient education, coverage of the ID consultation service, quality improvement projects, and antibiotic use data tracking, analysis, and reporting. In recent years, programs have also taken on the tasks of helping out during the COVID-19 pandemic and helping hospitals navigate antimicrobial drug shortages. Staffing levels of stewardship programs vary from hospital to hospital, but the one common theme is that there's always plenty of work to go around. So this article focuses on strategies to improve efficiency of the bread and butter patient level priorities of the stewardship program, prospective audit and feedback, and pre-authorization. The article we are discussing reviews several key steps in this process. First, identifying antimicrobial stewardship resources, prioritizing candidate antimicrobial stewardship initiatives, and determining which ones to pursue based on available resources. Developing ideal antimicrobial stewardship alerts to operationalize initiatives and prioritizing daily antimicrobial stewardship tasks and actions for an efficient workflow. First, we will discuss identifying resources. Programs have three main resources that are interconnected and must be considered personnel, technology, and time. Administrative support and financial resources can be used to augment these resources. For example, the right technology can reduce the time spent on an intervention. While an ID physician and clinical pharmacist focusing on stewardship are core members of the stewardship team, other team members optimally include clinical microbiologists, information technology specialists, hospital epidemiologists, nurses, infection control personnel, and other key stakeholders. The antimicrobial stewardship program can look at allocated personnel resources and calculate the full-time equivalents necessary to perform prospective audit and feedback or pre-authorization. Technology for antimicrobial stewardship programs can range from manual to automated reviews of the electronic health record. Technology can be useful to develop targets listed for patient review, populate alerts to prescribers as part of communication, and generate data needed to track and report antibiotic use. Technology can certainly improve antimicrobial stewardship program efficiency, particularly if it is able to interface with prescribers directly and provide clinical decision support on individual patient cases, such as best practice alerts. Technology may be integrated into the electronic health record, be in a third-party system, or be implemented as a combination of the two. Stewardship programs should work with IT to explore the capabilities of existing technology and the time and effort to edit technology to improve stewardship efforts. While dedicated IT resources for programs is ideal, most programs we work with face resource constraints, which makes prioritization important. Time refers to the work hours stewards need to perform antimicrobial stewardship tasks at their sites. While the time to build new initiatives is often considered, the time to maintain active stewardship is often underestimated and substantial. We consider one FTE to be 40 hours of dedicated stewardship time, but if you have that time, what portion should you dedicate to the core activities of prospective audit and feedback and prior authorization? 
In the literature, a study of four community hospitals, ranging from 100 to 400 beds each, found that they performed between 5 to 19 hours per week or 1 to 3.8 hours per day on patient-level interventions of prospective audit and feedback and pre-authorization. Programs should calculate these numbers for their individual hospital. It's also important to keep in mind that the time spent on these interventions could potentially be spread over multiple personnel, depending on your program structure. Now, we will discuss the two main priority interventions of the stewardship programs, preauthorization and prospective audit and feedback. Restricting antibiotics is an effective way to limit their use, but the resources required for making this process safe and effective have to be considered. In traditional restriction, an antimicrobial stewardship team member would have to review the patient's chart prior to the order being approved and sent by pharmacy. This requires antimicrobial stewardship team member availability at all hours to approve the request and needs an agreed-upon depth of review, whether that be evaluation of the chart or bedside evaluation. The implementation of pre-authorization, understandably, can vary greatly between small community hospitals and academic medical centers due to resource constraints. If there isn't 24-7 availability, programs often modify this process to prevent delays in patient care. Common modifications include allowing first doses to be sent and then requiring stewardship review to continue the antimicrobial, or having a customized list of indications for approval with optional verification. Workarounds can be implemented by physicians to get around these policies, so even with a pre-authorization in place, it's important to review places where the policies can be circumvented. Prospective audit and feedback involves reviewing a chart for a specific purpose, assessing antimicrobial appropriateness based on policies and guidelines, and applying principles of stewardship to optimize use, then communicating any necessary interventions to the prescriber. Targeted alerts that fire to help identify patients and monitor adherence to stewardship policies can offer help to the team and be set to fire in real time or in set intervals. Another way to approach reviews is a 48 to 72 hour audit of antimicrobials to ensure optimal dose, route, frequency, duration, and appropriateness in the context of available culture data. Prospective review can be tailored based on the hospital and their goals to specific syndromes, units with high use, or to avoid patients receiving ID consultation. Real-time laboratory review for rapid diagnostics or certain positive cultures, such as blood, can help identify impactful interventions. There are a variety of ways to perform audit and feedback, and the hospital's resources and priorities should be used to guide this process. It's not uncommon in Dazon to see sites that have lots of great ideas, but often don't have the resources to accomplish these tasks to the extent that they would like. This is why prioritizing interventions is so important. A good stewardship intervention is impactful, feasible, actionable, and measurable. Table 1 in this article does a great job laying out the ideal qualities of antimicrobial stewardship interventions. Impactful interventions influence outcomes in the at the patient and system levels. Impactful interventions influence outcomes at the patient and system levels. An impactful intervention will have certain features. A large gap between current practice and best practice. Suboptimal practice will have a large impact on the patient. The intervention will target a common infectious syndrome with a high volume of impacted patients. And the intervention may address a regulatory or administrative priority. Let's talk a little bit more about impact. Some areas where the authors mention impact are how efforts to decrease fluoroquinolone use can have rapid and sustained impact on C. difficile infection rates, or how prospective audit and feedback on broad spectrum agents decreases inappropriate use and can improve susceptibility to those agents. 
It's also important to note that the impact of an intervention can change if the gap between current practice and best practice changes over time with education. For instance, if a site implements a new technology, more feedback may be necessary upfront to ensure that providers are interpreting and acting on the results in the intended manner. As they grow more familiar with the process, less intervention is required. Regulatory or administrative priorities, such as sepsis, are areas where stewardship programs may have institutional support to make changes. The importance level of the alert is also crucial to determine. For example, unmonitored CPK levels for patients receiving daptomycin can lead to harm and need to be addressed. The more commonly an infection occurs, the more often the program can intervene. And as the others point out, some infections are more common and improvements in prescribing for these conditions will have a larger impact on the overall antimicrobial use. In order for an intervention to be feasible, a few things are needed. First, stewards must be alerted to the problem in a timely manner and ideally in an automated fashion. Local technology resources must support the intervention. The team should be focused on capturing most as opposed to all relevant targets. And the total volume of alerts requiring review should be considered in the context of available resources. The capability of the hospital's electronic health record and support system, as well as IT support, often determines feasibility of interventions. Designing alerts that capture the pertinent information for the targeted population in real time saves lots of time for stewards and support staff. For example, if the software system cannot provide real-time alerts on a culture, microbiology personnel may need to page, email, or send text alerts through a secured system. Another option is the hospital could invest in a third-party alert system to send alerts via email with certain criteria triggered. In order for an intervention to be actionable, it has to yield stewardship interventions. So it's important to consider how often any stewardship alert leads to change or provides assurance to continue with the current plan of action. The authors of this paper suggest aiming to create alerts that are actionable 50% of the time. In a study, Cleveland Clinic reviewed their clinical decision support and found that out of 749 alerts reviewed, 306 or 41% were actionable. On a positive note, they found that most results that were non-actionable fell into this category because therapy was appropriate and there was no need to intervene. Actionability is impacted by antimicrobial stewardship personnel and the threshold for intervention at the site. Alerts that are created for the stewardship team should be validated before implementation to ensure that they are generate actionable tasks. Otherwise, chronic low actionability alerts may lead to alert fatigue and poor morale for the stewardship team. Duplicative alerts, alerts based on old data, and erroneous alerts still take up stewards' time. The more non-actionable results, the less time the steward will be spending impacting antibiotic use and patient care. If there are a lot of non-actionable alerts in a system, stewards can develop a framework for prioritizing or delegating the alerts. Finally, the impact of an intervention should be measurable. Ideally, when designing interventions, stewards want to measure them using existing methods that are easily generated and timely. Many programs are already tracking antibiotic use with metrics such as days of therapy and using denominators of patient days or days present, or they may refer to the NHSNSAR data. Changes in these metrics can be useful to measure intervention impact. Alerts that focus on specific syndromes or populations, such as fluoroquinolone use for UTIs or antibiotic use in immunocompromised patients, can be more difficult for sites to measure. I will note that Dazon collects indications data for our sites who are able to provide them to make indication-based data analysis more accessible. The authors of this article suggest that stewardship programs determine how many hours they have to devote to stewardship tasks and then calculate a priority score to decide where to prioritize this time. 
Table two in the article lays out a structure for calculating a priority rank for an intervention based on the following. First, feasibility of building functional target alerts of either easy, moderate, or difficult. Actionability of targeted alerts of less than or equal to 33%, 34 to 66%, or greater than 66%. Measurability of initiative or outcome of easy, moderate, or difficult. And points are also assigned for the following impact factors. Gap between current and best practice of small, moderate, or large. Impact of suboptimal practices on patient care of low, moderate, or high. How common infectious syndromes evaluated are either less common, moderately common, or very common, and whether or not regulatory priority is addressed, yes or no. The higher the total score, the greater the potential impact of the intervention, and the higher the priority rank it should be assigned. By calculating intervention priorities with a scoring system, hospitals can decide how to best focus their time resources to impact patients. Once priorities are determined, the site can look at available time resources and decide how much time to dedicate to each project. After selecting priorities, targeted alerts to meet these initiatives should be prioritized so that priority one is completed first, then two, then three, etc. But following this order, the stewardship program ensures that if workflow for prospective audit and feedback or prior authorization is interrupted, they still complete the highest priority work first. The authors then discuss three general approaches to daily prioritization, the tiered approach, scoring systems, and predictive modeling with or without machine learning. The tiered approach is a simple method to prioritize stewardship tasks based on priority, actionability, and impact potential. Table three in the article introduces a tiered method for, for prioritizing daily stewardship tasks to decide between must do tasks on tier A and should do tasks on tier B to lower priority tasks on tier D and E that should be considered for delegation or elimination. With this process, stewards would categorize tasks into buckets, such as BCID reviews or reviews of fluoroquinolone use for UTI, and assign them a tier. Higher tier alerts would be reviewed first. Lower tiers, such as tier C, would get less frequent review, but may be assessed as time permitted. Tier D alerts would be delegated to other health professionals, and tier E would be eliminated. Scoring systems that are implemented into the electronic health record are another approach for efficient patient review. The EPIC system is capable of assigning a score through its stewardship module, Bugsy. Higher scores identify higher priority interventions or patients. When using these types of systems, sites should customize alerts to meet institutional needs. Finally, predictive modeling and machine learning can help stewards decide on priority interventions. The authors use the example of a newly staffed stewardship program that is trying to identify targets. A first approach would be to perform prospective audit and feedback on pre-selected and commonly used antibiotics at 48 to 72 hours and document compliance to guidelines, types of interventions, and intervention acceptance. Other data, such as antibiotic type, clinical indication, hospital service, etc., could also be collected. These variables could be entered into pre-built models in the published literature. The models could help identify high-impact disease states or units that may need specific interventions. Once these targets are identified, stewards could place them into a prioritization tool. Prediction tools can also be applied at the point of antimicrobial prescribing and alerted to the provider. For example, a patient started on meropenem with low risk for gram-negative organisms that are resistant could be alerted during prospective audit and feedback and then streamlined on the prioritization tool to avoid unnecessary reviews of meropenem. For example, a patient started on meropenem with low risk for resistant gram-negative organisms could be alerted during prospective audit and feedback and then streamlined on the prioritization tool to avoid unnecessary reviews of appropriate meropenem. 
While the use of novel tools for stewardship are promising, there's still a lack of real-world evidence on how to best incorporate them into workflow. Next, the authors discuss something I think is really important and often overlooked by stewardship programs, when to retire an alert. When we initially design an alert, it's intended to meet a current need, but we also should evaluate alerts periodically to see if they're still impactful. In an example we mentioned earlier, when a new technology is implemented in lab, providers may need upfront communication on how to interpret test results and where to find stewardship team approved treatment recommendation. Over time, the providers will become familiar with this test and how to locate recommendations. This will allow the stewardship team to shift to a new priority once the intervention has become self-sufficient. The author suggests reprioritizing alerts, either monthly, quarterly, or annually. If you'd like to work on prioritizing your alerts, please speak with your days on liaison. I enjoy this article's recommendations on how to prioritize the work of stewards to make the time spent on stewardship initiatives more impactful. Stewardship programs often have competing demands or insufficient resources that limit the time available for preauthorization or prospective audit and feedback. Time is an important resource, and there are only so many hours in a day. So it is important to not only set priorities, but to reevaluate priorities and change them over time when they no longer meet the desired impact level. Stewardship programs should continue to advocate for adequate resources to provide optimal patient care. However, in the meantime, it is important to steward the time, personnel, and technology resources available to optimize patient care at your hospitals. Your days on liaison is happy to help you set stewardship team priorities and work with you on administrative tasks to free up your time for prospective audit and feedback and pre-authorization reviews. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Days on Digest. I hope you have a nice day. 